The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women's Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry McCarthy. On this week's show, our special VIP guests include Neva Bond, LGFA Under-21 Captain Amy McDonough and Glenn Moyer, Under-21 Captain Ashley McAllen, ahead of Easter weekend's Cork LGFA Under-21A County Decider. We also review the Cork LGFA Under-16A, Bs and Under-14s who have qualified for Munster Finals. A third VIP guest is Skibbereen Women's Rugby Club's Avril Condell, who joins Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan and I to review the West Cork Club reaching the AIL All-Ireland semi-finals. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley reviews the Australian Grand Prix. Munster Women's Hockey PRO Graham Catchpole has all the latest Munster Women's Hockey and EY League results, scores and updates. And another action-packed week of news from the world of AFLW, including more Irish signings, is reviewed by our Big Red Bench AFLW expert, AFLW Ireland's Mike Curran. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Neva Bon and Glan Meyer meet in the 2023 Cork LGFA Under-21A County Final at Parky Cueve's 4G pitch on Easter Monday. I sat down with both captains, Neva Bond's Amy McDonough and Glan Meyer's Ashley McAllen, ahead of the county decider and got the inside track on two hugely talented teams. I also preview the other Cork LGFA Under-21 County Championship matches taking place over Easter and have a full review of another positive weekend for the Cork LGFA Under-16As, Bs and Under-14s who all qualified for upcoming Munster LGFA Finals. Now, ahead of Easter Monday's Cork LGFA Under-21A County Final between Navabon and Glanmire, which takes place on the Parky Creek 4G pitch uh, currently with a 3pm throw-in time as we record this. We are delighted here uh, on the Big Red Bench to be joined by the Neva Bond and Cork senior uh, footballer um, and captain of Neva Bond under 21A, uh, Amy McDonough. Amy, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? Hi, Jer. How are you keeping? I'm not doing too bad now. <laughs> you're not doing too badly. Yeah, indeed, you're not. Um, let's talk about this under 21A county final first um, because uh, you overcame Airog in this year's semi final. Um, while Glanmire, your opponents in the county final, overcame last year's champions, Moore Abbey. So there's an elite bunch of teams at the A grade and under 21 when it comes to Cork LGFA um, having won last year's under 21 B county title uh, did that experience help you going in against a team like Airog? Yeah it definitely did like when we got thrown into that pool I suppose we were looking at they're all big teams all have big names in it and we knew that was going to be a challenge and it definitely was a challenge in the Aero game but I suppose our experience um, we played. We won the B as well last year, and I'd say about three or four years ago, we won the C. So moving up, like we're used to finals, and the experience definitely helps. Like Cam and ours, we're well used to that now at this stage, I suppose. And yeah, I know like it's such a big pool. To be fair, all big strong teams, and even Glenmore overcoming more Abbey was a big one. Mm. Yeah, and like taking on somebody like Airog with their quality and their experience and the kind of number of players that they have, um, it certainly wasn't an easy semi-final for you in that sense. But and I know it's been a while since you actually played it now. But having said that, winning three nine to one eight, um, being ahead at half time and then getting those two goals in the second half, that kind of experience is exactly what you need going in against a team as good as Glenmire. Yeah, definitely. Like we we knew it was going to be such a tough match, and like over the years, Aero was always such a tough match. It's always one point of a difference between the teams at the end of the game. So um, I suppose that was such a good result for us, and it'll really help us going into the Glenmire game. Like we need every bit of push behind us to to have a chance against Glenmire. <laughs> 
Indeed, it promises to be a cracking final. The fact that it's on the Parky Cueve 4G pitch as well, bit of a different surface, but at this stage and considering what you went through last year, Nave, about it, at junior level, you've played on just about every playing surface. Does, does it matter to you as a player going into it that it's going to be on that kind of a different surface? Um, I don't think so. Like, obviously, the day of the All Ireland last year, we played that on um, the Astro as well, and we weren't that used to it. But I suppose both teams are the same. Glenmore are going to be going in the same way as we are. So we have an Astro at home close enough that we use every now and then, not too often now, to be honest. But um, I suppose everyone will be somewhat used to it, and both teams are the same in that that situation, really. Indeed it will. You're listening to the Big Red Bench here. I'm Jeremy McCarthy and we're interviewing the under-21A county finalist, uh, captain of Nebobon, Amy McDonough, who's talking about us and looking ahead to Easter Monday's uh, final between uh, Nebobon and Glanmore, which takes place at Parky Cueve, as we said, on Easter Monday, currently with a throw-in time of 3pm. Amy, there's a nice family dynamic to the Nebobon ladies football setup, and that's because your dad who I've interviewed enough times now over the last 12 months that he's sick of me uh, Noel is in charge of you as well under 21 and your sister Lydia also plays um, how does that dynamic work say when not so much when things are going well but when, maybe when things don't go so well is it, is it a quiet car on the way back or do you get a different lift home uh, quite interesting car rides now to be honest and dinner tables as well they be both the same um, no it's grand though I love having him there he doesn't take it easy on us definitely anyways but um, doesn't bother me just take him as any other trainer listen to what he tells us to do really otherwise it would be a very awkward care journey but no he's he knows what he's at and he's really trying his best now he sacrifices so much for it so uh, no I don't mind it at all to be honest <laughs> spoken like a daughter and a captain well done there on that answer um, to be jokes aside 2022 will go down in history as one of Neva Vaughan's most prolific because not long did you win the county junior A title um, and go through Munster and win the Munster title you went all the way to an All-Ireland Ladies Football Junior Club Final the current account that uh, I uh, All-Ireland Junior Ladies Football Club Final heartbreakingly unfortunately you lost out to Salt Hill Nakhnakara uh, a well-known club well-established club but a fantastic run for Neva Vaughan you were integral to that playing in midfield can you can you give me a highlight of that particular run and what did that what did that run do for ladies football in Neva Vaughan I, yeah, I suppose like, obviously it was so disappointing not um, coming out on top of the All-Ireland but my favourite memory of that um, whole series must definitely be the most final just the best experience when the final whistle was blown um, just I actually still can't describe it to be honest um, but I know it's pushed the club so much. The support behind the club and everything is just frightening. Um, and like we're we've so, so much experience now and well used to the finals. And the run was just amazing. The support, all the players developing, even the younger players that are coming up into the under twenty one team this year is just crazy. And um, all the young ones, there's such there's such a big interest back in Ballyborna now at this stage, and it's so good to see. Yes, I've seen it myself firsthand, having covered a lot of your matches from last year uh, and reading Rory Noonan's coverage as well in echolive.ie. But it was fantastic to see not just, as you said, the team, which is a very, very talented team, but the whole community getting behind you. Um, and it has had a really positive effect. You mentioned there the younger girls. Have you seen that right from under 21 and down further, that there's a real boost now? And it, it's, it's that old cliche, rising, you know, rising tide. When one team does well, the whole club is lifted. Is that the case with Naval uh, Bond? It definitely is. The interest of the young girls now coming up is crazy. Uh, the, like the panel from last year, we're so lucky we've only lost one person from last year. Um, so, But the amount of people that have come up then is it's crazy. And there's so many finals been in the underage, like under 12s, under 14s. They've been to finals now in the last year. And this, like the numbers are training is crazy at the moment. There's 
30, 35 coming to all the training. So it's so nice to see. And it's so easy to work with then when you have such big numbers, you can do what you like at training. Indeed, you can. And congratulations on that run all the way to the final last year as well. For yourself personally and your sister uh, another, and another teammate, Rosie Corkery, um, 2022 turned, into, turned out even better because all, the three of you uh, had just after that run, called into the Cork senior football panel under Shane Ronane. You had a chance to not alone train uh, with the senior team and the county uh, inter-county team, but also try and make your mark. And you did. You managed to do that during the National League campaign. What was that like, first of all, getting the call-up? And uh, uh, how much, uh, how much uh, have, you, have you taken from that experience of being part of the Cork senior panel? Oh, I absolutely love it. It's unbelievable so far anyways. I um, was absolutely delighted, obviously, when I got the call. And my sister Lydia had been training with them at that time, and so was Rosie. Um, so I was so happy to get that call. And especially after the All-Ireland, like, it just showed that I did leave a bit of a mark as well. And it's so nice training with them. And everyone just wants you to do good on the when you're inside. Like Everyone's there to help you get better. And obviously inside with such big names. And yeah, we got our, my, me and Lydia came on the same time against Donegal. So it was nice that we got our debut together anyways. It was. Lovely moment for the family too and a lot of sacrifices to get to that point, Damien. I would imagine you've been reminded it's a few times, have you? Yes, plenty of times. <laughs> yes, but as we said, it it just shows the, the high regard. I think that Shane Ronan, it doesn't like, you know, winning, a, getting to an All-Ireland Junior final shows the quality and the, in de- the depth of quality in the training that's been done in your part of the world um, and the fact that you've had a taste of inter-county senior football and we don't know what happens over the next weeks and months heading into the Munster Championship with the Cork senior setup. but the fact that you've had a good look at it and you've gotten a chance to show the manager what you can do I would imagine it, this is a team and a panel that you're going to aspire to stay in Oh yeah, I hope so. Um, it's so nice inside with them. Like even just the taste so far has been so good, and I'm really enjoying it. And like you can even just see the progress over weeks. Like just getting better over time. Like the gym helps so much. Um, just all that. Like the skills that you learn from all the older girls. Like they're so good to help you out in any way possible. Really. Very well put. And just finally, um, Amy McDonough heading into this under twenty one A county final against Glanmire from Neva Bond's point of view, what would winning another trophy do uh, ahead of what is going to be an extremely competitive intermediate county championship for you, and also uh, the county leagues which start over Easter? Um, I, I would imagine winning it would be a welcome and a timely boost. It would definitely. It'd be especially I suppose after last year, it'd be so nice just to put this year off on a good start again straight away and get into it and like I suppose going up to A as well like we've won C we've won B and it would just be such a good finish to win A as well like this, I think there's five of us on the age so it would be so nice that we could all finish that off together having won always up on this and with minor as well and then yeah going into our intermediate now this year is such a big jump as well but we've played all in teams at some stage before so we know what they're like and obviously it's going to be tough it's not going to be an easy one we know what we're up against but um it would be great just to push us off on a good start. And yeah, they're starting now over Easter, I think Easter weekend, that, the Intermediate League. Excellent stuff. Well, on Monday, Easter Monday, April the 10th, Cork LGFN or 21A County Final, Neva Bond taking on Glanmire in Parky Cueve on the 4G pitch, as we said, currently uh, throwing time is 3pm. Uh, Cork Senior, under 20, Neva Bond, under 21, Captain uh, Amy McDonough, thank you very much for your time here on the Big Red Bench and the best of luck to you and your teammates in that final. Thanks so much, Darren. Thanks for having me as well. So ahead of this year's Cork LGFA Under-21A County Final between Neva Vaughan and Glanmire, we are delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by Glanmire Captain Ashling McAllen ahead of that showdown with Neva Vaughan. Ashling, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? Hi, good. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Very good of you to speak to us. Um, only one place to start. Uh, last year, 
Clanmire were beaten in the under 21A final by Morn Abbey but this year he bounced back and beat the same opposition in a really good and a tight semi-final 111 to 110 talk to me about how tough a match that was and like the boost that you've gotten uh, by beating the team that defeated you last year yeah it was a quite tough match um, it was in wet conditions it was in our own home pitch in the pipe um, and it was a tough match to be fair we were lucky we stuck at it the whole time and we got a goal towards the last 10 minutes Lucy Green our full forward got a goal and we were lucky to get out with a narrow escape a narrow escape is right a one point victory is a one point victory though of the team that you're playing with Ashling, you've come up through the ranks together I would imagine this particular squad how important is it that you've been in tight situations before how much did that help you against a team like Morn Abbey yeah we're used to it we're used to playing really tight matches Um but you know, the group of girls we're with and our management were really lucky and we always have like a never say die attitude and we always stick together and no matter, we don't give up until the final whistle's gone and that's what we did. Spoken like a true captain. Uh, your manager, Dindy Barry, how important has he been and the management team to this particular group of players? Yeah, he's very good. He came in this year and for the first year um, and we have a new trainer, Connor and Sully. And also Ellen Murphy, who's a player on the intermediate team. She's a selector with under 21. And all their opinions are very valued and we're lucky to have them. Well, uh, the under 21A, I said it to Nave Vaughan captain Amy McDonough, there was only a handful of clubs, five clubs in all, in the A grade. So there's no easy game, cliche alert, but there really isn't any easy game. And I would imagine going up against last year's under 21 County B champions, Nave Vaughan, you're expecting an, an even tougher game uh, than you got in the semi-final. Yeah, of course. Um, we know Navy Vaughan will be good. I'm sure they got very far in the junior all Ireland last year. We'll be playing them intermediate now in the championship, so we're expecting another tight game. Indeed you are. You're listening to Cork's Big Red Bench here with Jeremy McCarthy. We're speaking to under-21 Glanmire LGFA under-21 captain Ashley McGallan ahead of Easter Monday's under-21 county final with Neva Vaughan. You mentioned uh, the Intermediate Championship. How, no, I don't want to go back over the last couple of years. I'm sure you don't want to talk <laughs> about it. But Glanmire have been knocking on the door for the last three years, getting to the final and coming up short, unfortunately. I don't have to ask what the determination is this year, Ashling. I don't have to ask what the motivation is. But how important is it that you get off to a good start in the league where you'll face Clan, Inch Rovers, Aerog, Valley Rovers and Kinsale. Yeah, it's very important. We want to put down our mark on it. Um, we know there'll be tight games we're playing senior league and but that's what we want. We want close, tough matches and hopefully everything will help us for the championship in Tremedia. It must have been tough though coming back year after year coming up you know, short in the final you've, you've been very very close do you feel a bit more confident going in this year like with the experiences that you've gained and doing well under 21 that you might have a better chance again this year? Yeah well that's our whole thing for anyway um, yeah previous years it's been very tight each final we've been very unlucky just narrow escapes missing out by a point or extra time or whatever but hopefully this year we'll go on and do it and push up to senior. Um, it's a busy time for you Ashley, because between under 21 and between getting ready for the senior league as you said there's quite a lot of training going on there's matches coming thick and fast um, is is this the time of year that you enjoy the most though as a, as a club player that you want to make your mark in the early rounds of the under 21 and the league to be ready for that championship yeah I do I think it's so important um, we have new management this year so we're all trying to put down our names and show them what we're about in training and just having tough competitive trainings and giving 100% and treating it like math situations is very important, but um, I'm enjoying it now at the minute. 
You mentioned as well the fact you have a new management team in, but Glenmire is a huge club when it comes to ladies' football, always challenging at the different grades. Have you seen an interest in the under eight section, uh, the younger groups especially, over the last couple of years that have been following you? Because you always get great support when you get to those county finals. Yeah, we're so lucky. Our club is fairly big now, to be fair, with all the teams in there. There's so many teams and just all the age coming up their grace and even this year now for under 21 there's a good few under 16s from last year up minor and there's a good couple of the girls starting with us and on the bench and they're really important to have to us the youth and their speed and it's great What would winning an under 21A county championship if you managed to get over Neva Vaughan what would that mean obviously to the players in the dressing room but to the club as a whole? Oh, we'd be delighted. We'd love it. Um, it'd mean a lot. We haven't, won, like you said last year, we just we missed out again, unfortunately. And it'd be great for us. And it'd be great to put down our name for the mark for the upcoming championship in the summer. Um, as a, as again, as a club player, there's a lot going on, obviously, with school and with work and everything that's going on. The split season um, has made it so that, you know, especially when it comes to inter-county, things are a bit more squeezed. How are you finding that um, in that, you know, the inter-county players within your squad get a chance to focus when it comes to championship time on club only? Has that been a benefit to you? I think it is. Um, I think it's great when we have a few in inter-county and all the setup all the way up. Um, I think it's great that they can concentrate on inter-county, but they can come back to club and they're 100% with club. Excellent. Uh, listen, uh, on Easter Monday, currently scheduled to take on Neva Vaughan in the under-21 Cork LGFA County Final. Glanmire throw-in is uh, currently at 3pm, but we wish you, Ashley McAllen and Glanmire, all the best in that final. You've had enough of finals coming up short. Maybe this is the one now where you get over the line and kick on for the next couple of years. Yeah, thanks a million. Hopefully, hopefully we'll do it. Okay then, it has been another positive weekend for Cork LGFA as the counties under 14, under 16A and under 16B inter-county squads join their minor counterparts in Munster LGFA deciders for 2023. Kiki was the venue for last weekend's Munster LGFA under 16A and B championship doubleheader between Clare and Cork. Kieran O'Shea's under 16As led their opponents 2-5 to 1-5 at the end of a closely fought opening half, uh, following a lengthy delay then to a Cork player who was sustained a head injury. Uh, once play resumed, Cork went on to record a deserved 4-9-2-12 victory. And on the scoreboard on that particular game against Clare, Laura Walsh continued her brilliant season with 1-5, four of those being frees. Catherine Murphy got 1-2. Kate Carey and Quiva Horgan got a goal apiece. And Sophie O'Shea added two points. Now that result confirmed Cork's Munster Under-16A final berth with one round of championship fixtures of the group stages to go. And uh, Waterford are Cork's final Under-16A group stage opponents in Mallow this week. Weekend, and that is all ahead of the Rebels' provincial final appearance on the weekend of April 15th or 16th. Uh, the Cork Under 16A panel that was named to take on Clare last weekend was as follows Andrea Toy from St Michael's uh, Emer Walsh from Morn Abbey Ali Tobin O'Donovan Rossa Ashling O'Sullivan Dunamore and she was also the captain Rachel Breen from Morn Abbey Maisie McRae from Ahada Megan Barrett from Aaron Zone Joanna Fis- Foskin from Bishopstown Kate McEntee from Valley Rovers Ava Nagel from Aaron Zone Quiva Horgan from Kinsale Eva Sheehan from Douglas, Kate Carey from Island Rovers, Laura Walsh, Morn Abbey and Sophie O'Shea from Ballygarvan. Jenny O'Neill, Sarah Barry, Sarah O'Farrell, Rebecca Fian, 
uh, Orla Drummy, Neve Hartnett, Maisie O'Callaghan, Kate Ferns, Catherine Murphy, Eva O'Driscoll, Ashling Lee, Lily O'Shea, Kira Keller, Ava O'Donovan, and Ella Burns were the other Cork players on that team. And they are looked after this year, of course. Cork under 16 is by Kieran O'Shea, who's the manager. And his fellow mentors are Martin Nagel, John Holly, Roisin Long, and Josephine Carey. Now, the Cork under 16 bees joined their Cork under 16A counterparts in another of this year's Munster LGVA finals and that was thanks to an 8-8 to 1-7 win over Clare in Kilkee last weekend. Shona Cronin got 2-1 Cleanna McNamara got 2 goals Saoirse Moynihan and Holly Brickley got 1-2 apiece. Laura Scannell and Claude Faherty each scored a goal and uh, Cassandra Fitzgerald scored 2 points and Saoirse Gould got a point uh, for the winners and now that result also means that Cork under 16 the Cork under 16 Bs will take on Limerick in the Munster LGFA under 16B decider and that is also down for the weekend of April 15th, 16th but uh, the uh, right now a venue has yet to be confirmed at the time of recording. Now the Cork under 16B panel that travelled to Kilkee and took on Clare last weekend included uh, Molly Buckley from Dunamore, Lily Desmond from McCroom, Avril O'Sullivan from Rockbon, Eva Ashman from Inch Rovers, Gemma Young from Airog, uh, Sophia O'Reilly from St Michael's, Ali Hayes from Airog, Teresa Dorgan from Rock Bond, uh, Taylor Ahern from Yall, Cassandra Fitzgerald from Nemo Rangers, Laura Scannell, Glenmire, Claude O'Flaherty, Bride Rovers, Shona Cronin, Valley Rovers, uh, Cleana McNamara from Dunamore, <coughs> Searsha Moynihan from Ballancolic, Ella Hayes from O'Donovan Rossa, Quiva Toomey from Neva Vaughan, uh, Chloe Kent from Aaron's Own, Ellen Connolly from Castlehaven, Ellie Mulcairns from Glanmire, Grainne O'Neill, Kilshanig, Holly Brickley, O'Donovan Rossa, Laura Finnegan, Mornabi, Sally Murray from Douglas, Saoirse Gould, Kilshanig, Sky Fielding, Carrigaline, uh, Syrah Kenna from Nemo Rangers and Tara O'Neill from Inch Rovers. Kenneth Burns and uh, John Callahan, both from Granada, are the joint managers of the Cork Under 16B footballers this year. And they're joined on the sideline by Nicole Hickey from Glanmire, Ger Scannell from Glanmire and Terry O'Brien from Kilmacabee. Now, the Cork Miners had already qualified for this year's Munster Minor LGFA final with one round of group matches to complete. Jamie Cronin's side hosts Clare this weekend with their provincial final opponents yet to be decided. Um, in the same competition this weekend, Kerry will take on Limerick and Waterford will host Tipperary. Now, JJ DC oversaw Cork's successful Munster Under-14 LGFA Festival of Football stage two blitz in Mallow last Saturday. Now, this was a second blitz involving all the Under-14 uh, inter-county teams, but this one was different from the original one um, as it would decide who plays who in the upcoming Munster Under-14 finals. Uh, both of the Cork LGFA squads acquitted themselves very well in that one-day blitz in Mallow last weekend against Clare, Kerry, Waterford and Tip. So much so that a series of positive results has confirmed Cork will contest this year's Munster LGFA final in three weeks' time and we'll have more details of that closer to the match itself. Now, we turn our attention towards the concluding rounds of this year's Cork LGFA Under-21 LGFA Championships. Now, the Under-21 D County Championship is down to the final four. West Club, West Cork Club, Ross Carberry ladies take on Liz Gould in the first of those semi-finals um, and Liz Gould will have Cork senior Dara Canary amongst their ranks when that game comes around. In the other semi-final, another West Cork Club, Iban ladies meets Yall, who impressed in their recent win over Mitchellstown. Onto the under 21 C County Championship, and Castlehaven will face Douglas in the last of those semi finals. And a place in the county final against Rock Bond is an offer for the winners of that particular game. We are guaranteed a West Cork champion in this season's under 21 B County Championship following Clonakilty's qualification for the 2023 final. Clon, having overcome St. Valds and Bright Rovers, will meet either O'Donovan Rossa or Kinsale. 
Kinsale who play in the West Cork LGFA division in the decider. Skibreen Club proved too strong for Valley Rovers and Kinsale knocked out Donnies to set up an all-West Cork semi-final meeting. But the highlight of the Easter weekend will no doubt be the meeting of Neva Bond and Glanmire in this year's Cork LGFA under-21A County decider. On Easter Monday at the Parky Grieve 4G pitch, last year's under-21B County champions, Neva Vaughan, will look to add another county title to the locker room at the expense of last year's under-21A runners-up, Glanmire. Earlier we heard from both captains, Amy McDonough, Neva Vaughan and Glanmire's Ashley McAllen, ahead of that big game. Both teams played superbly to come through their respective semi-finals, Neva Vaughan overcoming Airog and Glanmire, vanquishing the team that beat them in last year's county decider, Morn Abbey. It's going to be a cracking under-21A county final and uh, it looked good luck to both teams and let's hope it's a, it's a cracking game. I've no doubt that it will be. So as of this recording, uh, here are the upcoming fixtures for the remaining games in this year's Cork LGFA Under-21 County Championships. But I would say to check uh, with your club or check on the Cork Ladies Football uh, website if there has been any updates since this recording has taken place. But as of right now, on Thursday, April 6th, Cork LGFA Under-21C County Semi-Final, Castlehaven taking on Douglas in Castlehaven with a six o'clock throw-in on Friday, April 7th. That's Good Friday. Cork LGFA Under-21B County Semi-Final, O'Donovan Rossa taking on Kinsale in Skibbereen with a six o'clock throw-in. On Easter Sunday, April the 9th, Cork LGFA Under-21D County Semi-Final, Ross Carby Ladies hosting the school in Ross Carby at 4pm. And then on Easter Monday, uh, the second of those county semi-finals, Cork LGFA Under-21D County Semi-Final, Yall taking on Iban Ladies in Yall at six o'clock and the big one currently penciled in for the Parky Creeve 4G pitch at three o'clock on Easter Monday April the 10th the Cork LGFA under 21A county final decider between Neva Vaughan and Glanmire good luck to all the teams taking part in this weekend's under 21 championships and we will have a recap of all those results and scores on the Big Red Bench in the coming weeks miss the show grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM Skibbereen Women's Rugby Club stalwart Avril Condell joined Wendy Keenan and I on this week's Big Red Bench to discuss the West Cork Club's astonishing run over the past two years. Skib reaching last weekend's AIL Women's Junior All-Ireland semi-finals up in Tullamore and what the future holds for Skibbereen Women's RFC. Monster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan also offers us her expert opinion on all things rugby and reviews the latest provincial club results, scores and upcoming fixtures including all seven of last weekend's Monster Women's Underage Cup Finals. Uh, we are delighted to be joined on the Big Red Bench this week by not alone our resident Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson and expert Wendy Keenan, but also uh, a prominent member and captain of the Skibbereen Women's Rugby Club who got to the Women's AL Junior Cup All-Ireland semi-final only to come up short against Tullamore this past weekend. But we are delighted to welcome Avril Condell to the Big Red Bench. Avril, you're very welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm sore, but I'm good. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's very good to have you. Wendy, we better say hello to you as well. Thanks very much as always for coming on. Thanks a million, Jared. I thought you'd forgotten about me. Oh, I'd never forget about you, Wendy. You know that. Um, Avril, uh, let's just talk about, firstly, disappointment this past weekend, a 29-13 defeat in the Women's AL Junior Cup All-Ireland semi-final for Skibreen away to Tullamore. Um, I, had, I was lucky enough to see in the previous round and awful conditions and a really difficult heavy pitch and you really showed what you were worth that day put up a fantastic score to beat Westport to get to the All-Ireland semi-final a different pitch and a different setting and and a whole lot of different you know weather conditions this time around but not to be 
No, not to be. You know, a, a, a different unit, a very different outfit from Tullamore. Um, a very classy team. Uh, great depth in their squad. Um, they have a development team as well. And, you know, the first half, I suppose the scoreline, you know, they deserved it. I can't take it away from them, but I do think it flattered them. Um, two different halves, as all sport can be on any given day, but um, a, a very, very, very talented team, to be fair. Um, I mean, that's very decent of you to say that, but from Skibbereen's point of view, um, you know, you get to a semi-final, you want to win it. You want to get that, take that next step and get to an all-earned final for everything that comes with that. But this is your first taste of this level of rugby for, and for a lot of the players in your particular team in Skibbereen haven't been playing rugby for very long. To reach this level and this short period of time, maybe you could just explain to, to, to our listeners just where Skibbereen has come from in such a short, short period of time to reach the last four of the AIL uh, Women's Junior Cup because that in itself is an achievement yeah like I suppose we have such ambition ourselves that when you're in the bubble you don't see it and I actually just said this to the girls today just to put it into perspective we have 32 players only four of them have come through an underage system which means the rest have come to rugby as adults um, we have two playing this is our second playing season uh, we've won a treble last year we got into a Munster senior well open cup final this year um, against Lost out to Bowes we're in a league final we uh, are competing at All-Ireland um, standards junior cup standard and you know while I'm saying that they were a great team the first half was our was our game they they had to they had to come out and make a stand in the second half and you know, there was literally, you'll see it in the highlights, there was a bounce of a ball. Mm. Had that gone left instead of right, it was a try for us. And they picked it up and it was a try for them. And as you know, once that first try goes down, it, it, it changes the game. Uh, they brought on legs. We just didn't have, we just don't have that at the moment. Um, but for two seasons in, to be competing at this level and pushing the likes of Tullamore, who have years and years and years behind them, to, to the very end. Like you'll see it there. The very last touch of the ball was them taking it from us off their line, you know? So there was no giving up. And I have to put that down to the girls. Like there was no giving up at any stage that game could have turned. Um, and while I do say that it was a flattering scoreline, they did deserve the win. They did play better on the day, but by no means will they have forgotten who Skibberine are by next year. Oh, I don't think anyone who plays Skibreen forgets who Skibreen are. I've seen that myself. Um, what is that the big takeaway, Avril, from this? I mean, like we're talking now two years of existence. So one much you've won is incredible. But that first level up, that first step up to AIL, you know, junior, you know, the business end of a serious competition, that a lot is is that the big benefit for the players who wouldn't have been exposed that number one, okay, we can hold our own here. And number two, you know, we know, we as a club know now what we need to do if we want to kick on. That's exactly it. Like Wendy will tell you, we're, we're a team with massive ambition um, and it's been a very difficult year for us. It's been very stop-starty um, in terms of getting opposition to, to travel or to be playing 15 aside or with contested scrums. There's difficulties there. But these are the games we want, win or lose you know, that's secondary. These are the, the games we want to be exposed to. This is the standard that we want to play at week in and week out. And for, I suppose, for us coming up to this level, they, I suppose, Tullamore have the experience of that. You know, they're playing in a, a very strong league. Um, I think they have 14 league games behind them, you know, um, very different to us. Um, but for us to go there and come away knowing that we push them the whole way 
uh, and they have like we had 10 players out injured or away um if that were them they just bring up 10 players mm. you know um so it's very different so I'm massively proud of the girls. I I, I can always say that the, those girls are exceptional. Uh, their attitude and there was never a head down. You never have to tell these girls to lift their heads and push on. You know, um, we've we have a new kind of a catchphrase this year, if you will, our little motto, which is flashlight focus. Um, Sana, as you know, Wendy is very um, very specific in how we how we move forward and. I suppose when you look at it, the way we describe it is a flashlight can only focus on one thing at a time. Um, so it's always this job onto the next job, you know, and, and that really showed um, showed in this game. And I think where where they came out on top was we were fatigued in the second mm-hmm. half. And that's actually a trend of ours at the moment. It, it, it's happened where a few teams have run in on us on the end, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, show... Um, how the rest of the game played out, really. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think you, you've said that as well. The scoreline is not necessarily reflective of how the game went. Um, I, I, having stood on the sideline to hear a kind of a really zoned-in saying like that from the man you mentioned does not surprise me. But I've heard a lot of things coming from your sideline other than that, but we leave that one there for the time being. <laughs> yeah. Wendy, we have spoken at length on the big red bench about the improvements, about the interest levels, about the dedication of areas of Munster that were never previously known for Munster women's rugby. Skibreen is a case in point here. It's one example. It's not the only example of if you get things right off the pitch and you get enough interest in buy-in, look what you can achieve. Yeah, I think I, I think what we spoke about really was the community that they've created within the club and the atmosphere um, among the girls and how people want to be part of that and how people want to, you know, grow. And, you know, Sana is, is a big piece of that jigsaw, as is Avril. And I suppose we're immensely proud of what they achieved, you know, I mean, last season, how that was recognised locally in West Cork. But to have this competition where they can now compete with the other provinces is really important because you can be the best in Munster, but you don't know how that is on the national level. So having this Irish Junior Cup is a really important piece of the jigsaw. And um, Avril mentioned about aspirations. I've no doubt they have aspirations of AIL in the near future. And if they're to find a measure of where they're at with the rest of the country, then this this was, you know, would I mean a, a part of that. So to get to the semi-final is absolutely superb. I know they'll be disappointed and I know there's an awful lot of hurt bodies and the reports that I've heard back, it was a very closely contested match and the final score didn't reflect, you know what I mean, the 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 match itself, I suppose, and it was only in the last few minutes, I think, Avril, do you know what I mean, that they got that extra score. But um, I think that's just a really important piece, do you know what I mean, that they can now stand up and say, well, yes, you know, we can compete with teams in Leinster uh, and cut it up to them. And, and that's part of our pathway. And just, we have to let you go shortly, but before we do let you go, just building on what Wendy said there, I mean, like the pathway, as you said, getting an underage section together is critical for the lifeblood of something, for the long-term future of Skibreen Women's Rugby. But there's already been steps taken in that, in that, in that you have underage girls playing at a certain age. But is the big bonus of getting to an All-Ireland semi-final, is the big bonus of winning what you've won and possibly winning more before the season out, make it easier for women to come to Skibreen and play for Skibreen and represent Skibreen because they see how seriously you take it, but they also see how welcoming you are and how, I suppose, you don't you take it seriously when you have to take it seriously, but there's a lovely camaraderie about Munster Women's Rugby anyway and that that's something that would attract a player to come for you, even if they're not necessarily from the area. Yeah, like... 
our, our aim is is just that it's to create that environment that um supports you on the pitch to reach whatever level it is if you just want to come and have the crack fine but if you're looking to get into that red jersey or that green jersey we want to be able to provide that pathway and get you exposed and that's why this cup is so important because it puts the girls that aren't necessarily maybe in the colleges on that on that um that viewpoint you know it's putting them in right in the front of the right people and giving them that stage to perform and express themselves um and i think if you if you can provide that in the adult section the underage then will come in because they'll want to be part of that so they're going to come in in early so it's so important for us to to look down and give back down through the underage like i'm out every saturday with mini girls um merging in with the, the little boys just you know and they're so eager to get up to that level, you know, to be the Enya Breens, you know. So it's 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 really great. Um and the club is 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 behind it, you know, and, and I think without the club, you, you know, it's pointless having a, a team. It just wavers off. So um I think that Westport game was so important as well because it was it was a real display, it was a real showcase of, of the talent that's there. Um so to have it at home was a real it was a it was it was great. You couldn't have lined it up any better for us really. No, you couldn't. And look, from I mean, Wendy knows better than I will, but just the run that Skibbereen women's rugby has been on over the past 24 months is fascinating viewing. Uh, as you said, see, this season is not just over just yet. There's a lot more to come, but I think there's even more to come in the years ahead. Hopefully, as you said, like the foundations are there and that you can build on them. Um, Avril Condell, congratulations on getting to an All-Ireland semi-final to you and the, the Skibbereen, the entire team and backroom team and everybody in the community that's behind you. Um, I have a feeling you'll be talking to us again on the Big Red Bench sooner rather than later, but we appreciate your time this evening um, and thank you for coming on and talk to talk to us thanks so much for having me thank you that was Avril Condell from Skibreen Women's Rugby Club the West Cork Club who got to a Women's AIL Junior Cup All-Ireland semi-final this past weekend only to lose unfortunately lose out very very in a close game with Tullamore 29-13 uh, not a lot more to be said on that Wendy but it is refreshing to see somebody like Avril and people like that not just in West Cork not just in Cork but all throughout Munster now starting to see the benefits of, um, of having a successful or even a successful club women's team yeah, and I think just to share, like, you know, we had a recent adult meeting we have, um, their coaching team were obviously there, led by Sana, and he's sharing what he's doing with the girls, with the other clubs in Munster, which is an important factor as well that we can all develop and learn. Indeed. And we move now, though, from uh, the very, very top Women's AIL Junior Cup in the All-Ireland semi-finals to this not-so-small matter of seven uh, very, very important games this past weekend. They were played at Corcon and Gary Owen and not at Musgrave Park, as mistakenly put out by a big Red Bench podcast presenter via Twitter, who has been reminded of it every minute since, and I apologise to everyone in Musgrave Park. But this was an exciting weekend. Seven youth finals, another fantastic weekend for Munster Women's Rugby, Wendy, and some very, very happy faces across social media. I know, isn't it great to see them this morning and all, all everything that's been shown? But look, you know, we've had a lot of rain in three months, so to have the sunshine yesterday for seven finals is absolutely true. brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we did split them across uh, Cork and Limerick, and um, I'm going to go to a few of them. Um, we'll start with the under 14 uh, cup final, uh, and these first three matches were in Cork on, I should say. So Gary Owen versus Dunmanway, Dunmanway achieving the double league and cup, a very special occasion, isn't it, for those young girls, um, you know, finishing off their time at at an under 14 level but a cracker of a match Gary Owen took the lead with the first try from Ellen Goggin and that was successfully um, converted 
you know, then Dunmanway Bantry just, I thought they were a bit nervous actually starting off and they grew into the game and they got stronger and they equalised with the try from uh, Grace Cronin and that was converted by Sarah Hurley. Another try then from Maeve White late in the game and that really just, you know, secured the match to them um, for the match. So 21-7 there and a double, as I mentioned, that the support they had yesterday was incredible at the match. That doesn't and surprise me, Wendy. <laughs> I just have to share a moment. Yeah. The whistle went, and you know what I mean? Uh, of course, you know what I mean? Everybody runs on. To, it's just, and one father ran on, he had a banner printed with that they were the League and Cup doubles 2023, and it was just beautiful to see it. But I was laughing at him. I was, spoke to him afterwards. I said, God, you were really uh, preempting. He said, I did well hidden just in case nobody saw it. <laughs> but look, I, a special occasion for those, for those girls. That was followed by our under 16 cup final and Clonakilty came on top there um, defeating Shannon 15 uh, nil Clon opened the score with the try from their centre uh, Elva Magoli and Searsho Sullivan who did a fabulous boot on the day she converted from a very difficult angle and, and subsequent to that took a penalty to lead 10 nil. Shannon put up a great fight and they fought really hard but Clon just defended so well on that line and uh, Aaron McCarthy crossed the line then to secure that victory for Clonakilty so they were absolutely um, uh, thrilled with that and then our final match in Corcon was the under 18 play final and it could have been mistaken for the cup final such was the level of talent mm. um, on display so that was Balancholic versus Brough with Balancholic coming out on top and uh, 2012 very entertaining final as um, just the skill set that was showcased from both clubs um, yesterday was superb Colleague uh, Balancholic scored first and uh, you know scored the second try by uh, Caroline Trumpho and that was you know they took a lead Bruff's Megan O'Dwyer uh, scored a wonderful try um, which they converted to bring the match to 10-7 so it was very tight for a while then Balancholic responded um, with tries from Caroline and Orla Marisi to lead 27 but Bruff produced a penalty move which the Irish team would have been very proud of on Saturday to say the least and O'Dwyer scored again and that was the final whistle so 2012 there was the final score so a Cork uh, sweep there in um, Cork on just to give you some of the other uh, scores that were there with the under 14 development bowl and that was Killarney 28 uh, Feathered 19 so Killarney taking victory there the four under 14 development shield Balancholic 34 uh, 19 to Bandon uh, Kinsale so they come on top two wins for Balancholic there was a big party there uh, yesterday evening I believe and then the under 14 played final Balana Killaloo Scarif were on top um, defeating Ennis 36-10 and finally the under 16 played Carrick Thurless versus Ennis 24-41 was the final match of the day and the under 18 final will take place um, this Friday in Thoman Park on the back pitch Um I get. I, I say it. I keep saying it, and you're sick of me saying it now. But when you see the list of winners across the age grades spanning the entire province, not just Cork, because we don't just talk about the Cork teams on Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench, we do focus on them from time to time. Um, that must give you somebody in the position you're in great hope with the pathways that are there. There's, there's possibly here a new generation of Munster players, if not Irish players, ready to come through. And these experiences of winning cup finals, Wendy, how important is it for kids that that age? I mean, it's just wonderful, you know. I, I mean, I get upset when I see the girls upset, of course, you know what I mean, when they've defeated and the final whistle goes and then I have to pull it together, you know, to give a little bit of a speech. But 
it, it's really important. The last thing we want to see is one club or one area dominating the sport. We need the depth of players from across the province. You know, I've, I, I've spoken at length that, you know, the skill set for girls sport in general you know, can be shared, you know what I mean? Mm. So, you know, their, their football skills, their basketball skills. I admired the footwork of um, one girl yesterday. I think she was playing 11 for, for Gary Owen at under 15. And I just commented to the manager, I said, she precisely said her, her footwork is beautiful. She's, you know what I mean? She's a soccer player playing under 15. She's playing way up, um, you know, from her age grade, but you could see it. They're all transferable skills to the sport and, and really important. And um, yeah, look, just, we just need that depth of players, I suppose, coming through, exposed them to this level of competition is really important you know because we have our leagues our development leagues our cups our development cups for all those emerging teams that are coming through and um, look every girl in the province got to play cup rugby and that's very important it is and I think that's the key thing message coming out of it as you said it's another strand to everything that you're doing between the schools between the minis between but the clubs and I think just on a cup final lane it's, it's a mini stadium for a lot of the girls they don't necessarily get to play in that type of environment or on that quality pitch week in week out and I think I think that's the kind of thing that sticks in the girls mind that might decide down the line depending on the sports that they're in that you know rugby is the one for me so look we can't pick out one club, but well done to everyone that won this weekend. Commiserations to those that didn't, but it was a fantastic, again, weekend. And to see it across social media, real positive, I think, for yourselves and everybody on that committee as well, because it's it's a sure sign things have been done well. Finally, we've had seven youth finals just to get over. And not content with that, you've got a bunch of adult finals and cup finals coming up over Easter weekend as well. Yeah, so three finals next weekend. As I mentioned, under-18 final in uh, Thoman Park uh, on the back pitch at one o'clock on Friday. And then on Sunday, we're back in Musgrave Park for our Division 1 and Division 2 Cup finals. So we'll kick off with the Division 2 Cup final at 12 o'clock and that's Ennis Kilrush versus Middleton. And that'll be followed by the Division 1 Cup final at 2.30 and that is Kerry versus Thurless. So, um, yeah, so an exciting day on uh, Sunday and we're nearly there, Ger. We're, we're coming to the end of the no, season. <laughs> you keep saying that, no, no. Yeah, we should be. I know you want to be, but uh, there's always too much to talk about. There's the Six Nations. We'll get back to that as well at some stage. And of course, then there's provinces. I know then you. The under, then we the under eighteen Six Nations camp to discuss and who gets selected for that. No, so, you're talking. They're they're all good headaches. They are indeed. And look, once again, thanks very much as well for organising that uh, interview with Avril Condal for us here on the Big Red Bench. We really appreciate it. And look, you've 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 given us an overview of another fantastic weekend of youth rugby. There's an awful lot to look forward to over Easter weekend. Keep an eye on monsterrugby.ie for fixtures and where those games and what times they're on as well and go out and support your local club until we speak again though uh, Wendy Keenan thanks very very much for your time once again here on the Big Red Bench thanks Melinda the Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest on and off track Formula 1 headlines around the 2023 season you can find more of Sarah McKenzie Foley's expert Formula 1 analysis on her active social media accounts on YouTube Sarah McKenzie F1 Instagram MacGram underscore and on Twitter MacTweets underscore that's again where we talk all things Formula 1 with our resident Corks Red FM Big Red Bench Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley who's back to dissect an Australian Grand Prix that was as interesting uh, before, during and after as it's still being talked about today but maybe not for all the best reasons but anyway we'll let Sarah explain Sarah you're very welcome back to the bench how are you? I'm good thanks yeah just about recovered from the early start yesterday morning <laughs> expert that you are you were straight on with your, uh, your notes immediately after a race that went longer than expected and there's a big reason for that maybe you can explain for the people that didn't get to see the Melbourne GP as to why it went on for as long as it did 
Yeah, it was kind of incredible, really. Um, There were multiple safety cars. We actually finished the race behind a safety car. And we had in the penultimate restart, essentially, we it was just chaos. It really, if you were to have one word to describe the entire race start to finish, it was chaos. And I think it was probably the most entertaining or exciting race of the year, but it was also tinged a little bit because again the FIA made some very strange decisions you know the race directors made some very strange decisions and the stewards so I think a lot of the drivers afterwards felt as discombobulated as as we did you know even though they were actually on track um but yeah it was just it was mad but we did see some fantastic performances from teams that have been really struggling so far you know we saw Mercedes pull out a great result we saw McLaren stepping up to the plate Nico Hulkenberg had a fantastic race and until the unfortunate penultimate restart the Alpines particularly Pierre Gasly were absolutely flying as well so definitely very entertaining but not perfect no and I think it's it, the fact there were so many and you've articulated it very well there there were so many safety cars for the right reasons but there were so many safety cars George Russell is somebody I, I felt particularly sorry for because he he mm. benefited from the first one came in and did the tyres and did everything but then all that that advantage was immediately lost no he can't it's, it's just it's one of the, you can't control you can only control controllables as a Formula 1 driver mm-hmm. you can't go out with everything that's going on around you but Max and Lewis definitely benefited from the second stop because they came in they had a new fresh set of tyres brand new set of tyres and that really did make the difference in the end but you're right to point at some of the brilliant driving including Max Verstappen's overtake of Lewis Hampton I'm not having a go here on the outside of a really difficult turn with DRS enabled but like that's the kind of thing we want to see and I suppose the most frustrating thing for me and probably for you as well is in the midst of all this in Melbourne it's one of those tracks where there's usually a lot of drama the, 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 the constant stopping and starting the crashes it just it actually took away from it completely as what would have been and probably was a really decent race yeah, it was definitely very disjointed. You know, I, I agree the that overtake, it's scary. You know, we've mentioned that word before already this season. We're only three races in and within half a lap of making that overtake, Verstappen had pulled out a two second gap to Hamilton. That is quite frankly unheard of. I, I don't think anyone has ever seen a car that's this fast. Um, and it's interesting because you had Max Verstappen at the the top of the field, and then you had Sergio Perez, who obviously had to start from from the very back. And he was sort of pulling places back, pulling places back. But I think the disjointed nature of the race affected him negatively as well because he didn't have a chance to put together enough overtakes. And to be fair then to, you know, the the midfield, he they did hold him up. You know, he was stuck behind Pierre Gasly for quite a while and Gasly was actually lapping at the same times as, as Perez, which you would not have expected from an Alpine. So I think there was some... There was definitely the most number of interesting storylines during the race. But as you say, it, it was kind of tainted a bit and kind of it, it, the the drama actually took away from it. It was mm. like too much. Mm. You know, we've been asking for a bit, but this was definitely too much, particularly the decision to 
sort of reminiscent again of Abu Dhabi 2021, mm. you know, the decision to to restart like that at the very end, it it really ruined the race for a lot of people. Um, you know, both Alpines, Carlos Sainz, mm. it just it didn't work out well for them at all. And it was it was clearly done for entertainment purposes. There was no other reason to to do that, you know. Well we are living in the drive to survive era and I think we're going to be we seeing, I think the drivers are going to be seeing decisions like this that favor that kind of maybe not necessarily what's best for Formula One, but what's best for the mm-hmm. for the brand of Formula One seem to be being made. You've highlighted um, throughout the se- since the season started and before, Andy, how interested you were going to be in the midfield battle this year. It's something that mm-hmm. you did highlight. We knew uh, in Adrian, knew he designed Red Bull was going well, coming into it. We knew, we didn't realise it was going to go this well, as you said. We knew Mercedes would struggle. We knew Ferrari would be Ferrari. So the rest of that midfield area was going to be fascinating. Your, your take on Alpine, McLaren and Haas and how much positivity they can, no Alpine granted, wasn't the end they wanted, but how much positivity they can take from this. And specifically, um, I think uh, Piastri was somebody as well, uh, I just thought had a great race up to a point, but he was he just showed and I think he was really up for it this weekend. But those teams in speci- specifically, Alpine, McLaren and Haas, how, how positive do you think they are or should be feeling coming out of this one? Definitely Pierre Gasly in particular at Alpine, I think will be feeling really good because he didn't just put together a decent race. His whole weekend was quite positive. And as I say, it wasn't just that he was up there in the top five holding back, you know, a big train of cars behind him. As we spoke about last week, there's four DRS zones on this track. So they had every opportunity to overtake him in theory, but he really put in a very, very solid race. I think I agree. I was really happy for Oscar Piastri because his weekend hadn't gone that well up until the race. And then he just he just really went for it. And McLaren have had such an awful time you know, they got both cars in the points. They hadn't earned a single point yet this season. And I think that is going to buoy the whole team massively. And I think they really, really needed it. Um, as you mentioned, Haas, I think Kevin Magnussen was kind of neither here nor there. And then obviously he, you know, made a mistake ultimately that that led to, to him retiring from the race. So I think he'll be disappointed because... Hulkenberg in the meantime showed that the pace was absolutely there in the car Mm. and again he did it on merit you know there were times during qualifying on Saturday where he was up there setting the fastest lap now okay Verstappen would come in or you know Russell would come in and top him but he put in a fantastic weekend and I think this is this is really what we've been looking for. You know, there was there was a point on, on lap 22 where seven out of the top eight cars were from different teams you know, that is, that is what you want from Formula One, whatever about the, you know, Max Verstappen sailing off into the distance, like we're looking at the rest of the battles Mm. and they really, really kind of, they really showed up this weekend. Yeah, they certainly did. And as you've mentioned, I think you were right to highlight it from uh, at the start, you know, the midfield and the entertainment value to get out of the midfield for fans as well that are there. We know who's mm. going to win pretty much one or two mm. or three drivers at the start, maybe four at the moment, uh, who might win a race just in terms of pace in the early stages of the season before any new updates come. But yeah, it, it, and I didn't realise that either about the number of teams, one from each team is, is, is a fascinating statistic as well, considering the amount of money that goes in from all of these different teams. And look, you know, Hulkenberg was somebody who I, I didn't really focus in on like he had a seventh overall finish just behind Lando and like he did re- I think consistency if you give mm. this kid if, if you give this kid I and mean, he's not a kid but if you give this kid a car you know that would perform he showed now something mm. and I think I think the knock on effect for Haas is that Magnussen now has to clean up his act 
you know, it's not enough to be Kevin Magnuson anymore. Like if you DNF on the same weekend that your teammate brings it home seventh and scores six points, you know, you're going to get all of a sudden there's going to be all he's not on him, but on you um, to do something similar the next time around. So I think that can only be good for Haas. I think so. And to be fair to Nico Hulkenberg as well, he's been out qualifying Kevin Magnussen, mm. you know, throughout, we're obviously only three races in, but still, um, I think maybe Magnussen last year sort of had, he was given a bit of extra grace because he came in so last minute, everyone was like, you know, delighted for him that he was back and it was so exciting. But he also had a teammate in Mick Schumacher who was very inexperienced and unfortunately did wreck a bunch of cars and the team weren't happy with him. So anything that Magnussen pulled out, you know, including that bizarre pole position uh, mm. that that he, he achieved, I think it was a moment in time. And as you say, I think now he's realizing, okay, I actually have this teammate now who is roughly about as experienced as me, if not a little bit more, and he's gunning for it. It's both of our second, third chance here, and I need to really show that I'm going to take this because I think if Haas continue on this trajectory and you know get developments and improvements throughout the season and they do start to build up results, I think whoever is not pulling their weight is going to be under mm. pressure for next season for a seat. So it, there's that inter-team battle there, I think, is going to be really important throughout the year. Yeah, it certainly is going to make for fascinating viewing. This is what we want. We want the storylines without going all driver to five again, but just something to keep interesting. And these are the guys in five or six years' time that will want to be challenging for titles if Verstappen isn't around anymore or things change in the, uh, on the design side of things. We finish, though, with uh, Verstappen's teammate, Sergio Perez, who... Um, had an unfortunate, I suppose, unfortunate starting from the back of the grid. You can explain that, but a real charge up through the up through the field, but not enough to get a podium finish. Yeah, he had been struggling all weekend, uh, particularly at turn three. It is a it is a turn on the track that does catch out a lot of drivers, but he was sort of repeatedly making mistakes there, and he, you know, the at the worst of it, he did also come over the team radio and he cited that there was an issue in the car that had been plaguing him all weekend, that he was disappointed or frustrated that the team hadn't fixed. Um, I think, again, he just looked a bit, he charged up to a point yesterday and then he just looked a bit off the pace. Maybe it was because of the car issue. Maybe he just wasn't fully in it. I'm not sure. But I think he cut a kind of frustrated figure um, this weekend and it is always tough starting from the back, but I suppose technically when he has the best machinery under him, you were probably expecting him to get, you know, to get a better performance out of the car. And I think his finishing position is almost a bit fortunate because as we know, the two Alpines were gone, you know, the, we had Carlos Sainz was gone. So it's one of those ones where the score maybe doesn't quite reflect what actually happened. And I think he'll, you know, he won't be spending any time reminiscing over that Grand Prix. I think he'll just want to put it behind him and move on. Yeah, I think you're right. I think for somebody that's got, what, one win and two podiums already this season, I mean, he's doing mm-hmm. just about what uh, Red Bull would, would expect of him. Yeah, so that's the recap of the Australian GP. And as it stands, now we, we have a bit of a break until the Azerbaijan Grand Prix uh, towards the end of the month. But right now in the driver standings, Max Verstappen out in front on 69, his teammate Sergio Perez on 54. Fernando Alonso, the surprise package of the year so far with an Aston Martin, a very quick Aston Martin on 45. Lewis Hamilton hanging in there on the Mercedes on 38 mm-hmm. points. And only 
unbelievably Carlos Sainz Jr. with Ferrari uh, uh, with 20 points alongside it has to be said Lance Stroll as well somebody we're going to talk about I think a bit more when we have a bit more time because I'm fascinated by this guy um, uh, on 20 points as well and George Russell let's give him a mention Landon Norris, uh, Nico Hulkenberg and Leclerc rounding out the top 10 drivers heading into as we said the next Grand Prix which isn't until the end of the month and in the constructors it's pretty obvious one team are way out in front three wins and five podiums Red Bull 123 points Aston Martin though in second place on 65 ahead of Mercedes in 56 Ferrari McLaren Alpine Haas Alfa Romeo Alfa Tauri and Williams who also managed a point rounding off the top 10 so we've got a bit of a gap between now and the Azerbaijan Azerbaijan GP Sarah but uh, in the meantime where can people find all your Formula 1 content? Yeah, so you can find my videos on YouTube if you search Sarah McKenzie F1. I'm also on Twitter at MacTweets underscore and I'm on Instagram at MacGram underscore. Excellent stuff. We will talk to you before the Azerbaijan GP, but for now, Sarah McKenzie Foley from everyone here on the Big Red Bench. Thanks once again for your expertise. Thanks, Jer. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Monster Hockey PRO Graham Catchpole rejoins me on this week's Big Red Bench to recap the latest Monster Women's Hockey, Monster Division 1, EY League, schools, interpros and international news. Plus, we take a look ahead to upcoming women's hockey fixtures. Another busy week in the Monster Women's Hockey scene, uh, not just at Women's EY1 and EY2, but also the uh, coronation of Cork Harlequins as Women's Monster Division 1 champions. And uh, before we talk to our resident uh, expert and Monster Women's Hockey uh, contributor, Graham Catchpole, I can tell you that on next week's podcast on the Big Red Bench, we have a very, very special interview with two members of that Cork Harlequins uh, team, Neve Sexton and Michelle Barry, who join me for a very, very entertaining chat so don't miss that that's next week's podcast here on the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast out at 12 noon but for now we've an awful lot to talk about so Graham uh, you're very welcome back to the pod and uh, a lot to talk about as I said yeah plenty going on Jaron thanks for having me back again only one place to start last week last Thursday night in women's Munster Division 1 Cork Harlequins travelled to Belvedere needing a positive result to become champions and they got it and a bit more Graham yeah, and I suppose congratulations to Cork Harlequins on 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 the the Munster Senior uh, League title. Um, a fantastic achievement for the for the club, and um, I suppose on on the night, convincing winners over over Belvedere with a seven one victory. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a very very close season all year, and and Harlequins have stuck at it. Um, they've had one or two you know uh, sticky patches throughout the season, but you know I, I think well deserving winners over over the course of the year. Um, and and I suppose you know, culminating I suppose in, in in victories over over UCC there to to really clinch it I suppose at the end. Um, at the I, I suppose on Thursday they they played Belvedere who I suppose are struggling down the other end of the table. Um, and uh, it was a, it was always going to be a tricky night. Um, it was a horrible wet night actually for for a match. Uh, but Harlequins coming out seven one winners. Bethano Farrell adding adding to her goal tally this year, uh, notching up four goals. Cleaner Sargent on the score sheet again for the second week in a row. Avine Martin and uh, Joy Sampson with the with the goals for for Cork Harlequins on the night. So congratulations to Harlequins on the the, the title victory. Absolutely, and what what a Division One title battle it was. I mean, it, it, as you said, that pivotal win over UCC, having lost UCC in the in the, in the cup final as well, I think was a huge turning point for them. But they've been pushed all the way, not just by fourth place Bandon and Ashton, but Church of Ireland as well, who, who finished or, or you know on thirteen points are still in the mix there, alongside UCC. But it's been a it's been a really good Division One this year, Graham. 
Yeah, it's it's been really competitive, and and I suppose look, the excitement isn't over either. We we've kind of a fight for second place now between between UCC and CFI to to happen. Both of them are level on points. Um, CFI have played the game extra, but they they do lock horns, I suppose, in that final game of the season as well. So um, UCC also have to play Ashton as well before that game. So there could be another twist in the tail yet. Um, uh, but it certainly it'll go it'll go down to the last game of the season, which is which is what we all want to see. Absolutely, and best luck to the, all those teams uh, competing. As we said, UCC and Church of Ireland competing for that outright second spot and a few games to go. Um, as well as the Munster Women's Munster Division 1 last week, there was a cracking Women's Examiner Cup semi-final game. Yeah, again on, on Thursday night last night, an absolute cracker between Bandon and Ashton yet again. Um, they've locked horns a few times this season and, and every single game has been an absolute thriller. Um, so um, the, the game finishing three all, uh, two goals from Olivia Roycroft adding to her tally for, for Bandon. Um, Ashton uh, with uh, Kate Harvey, Emily O'Leary and, and Saibo Shea getting her first senior goal, um, you know, I suppose coming back into the game. So it ended three all and it went to the, the dreaded shootout. Uh, Bandon winning 3-0 on, on that shootout um, and, and Bandon's keeper um, R- Rachel Barry has been in extremely good form this year um, just like the last couple of seasons and um, no doubt um, was, was was part of the I suppose the, the solution there for, for Bandon putting putting them through to the, the final against Church of Ireland Yeah and that promises to be a cracking final when you consider that there's only about uh, currently um, seven points between those two teams in the women's Munster Division 1 standings and it's a great season for Bandon I mean as you said coming through against a really good Ashton team as well to get to that cup final and a timely boost for that particular club on to Saturday and the women's EY1 the regular season is done and dusted and we have an outright winner Graham we also had a very very uh, good performance for Catholic Institute but not the end for Catholic Institute yeah, an exciting finale to the to the season. Um, if we look at the top four teams, uh, you know, fourth place Catholic Institute thirty three points, Old Alex in third place thirty four, Loretto uh, second place uh, thirty five, and 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 the winners of of EY one uh, UCD with thirty six points. Um, so nothing between the teams at the end. But congratulations to UCD. There's a couple of twists and and, and turns on the day. Um, I suppose Loretto started top of the table uh, and ended up losing 1-0 to, to fifth place Pembroke um, UCD on, on, on the other hand got did their business got their win um, for Institute it was a very very close game between themselves and Monkstown um, ending to all uh, Roisin Upton and Naomi Carroll with the goals for, for Institute again you know keeping up their good score, goal scoring form um, but that puts them in fourth place which you know is, is, is a good result for them and they, they'll go into um, the Champions Trophy um, weekend quite confident I would say um, they'll have to play a playoff against Pembroke, uh, fifth place Pembroke, before that weekend. Uh, but I have every confidence that they that they'll come through that one and uh, and onto the Champions Trophy weekend and a, a European spot um, on offer for them at that again. So uh, best of luck to them uh, on that weekend. We're, we're probably about three weeks out from that um, weekend. Um, so you know we'll be in touch on that one again, Ger, before before it happens. Yeah, we're certainly going to build up to that because I think of uh, a Champions Trophy at the end of a domestic season where UCD topped the table and congratulations to them on a final day victory um, the fact that UCD and Loretto now wait and they will play uh, two other teams from the, from third until sixth there's serious quality in that division as proven by such a tight title race uh, Graham so that particular qualifier weekend and, and who comes out on top and who gets that European place is going to be really exciting 
Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, even from seventh place up, there's very little between the teams there. Um, you know, e- even the teams b- below have, have had strong seasons. You know, t- t- teams like uh, Monkstown and Ards, who, who got promoted last year, will be, you know, ha- had strong seasons. And, and I suppose for Institute to be competing at that level week in, week out as the, the only monster side is, a, is a, I suppose, a, you know, it's a real testament to the to the club and the strength and depth in, in that squad because, you know, every second weekend you are travelling the length of breath of, of, of the country um, and, and it is it is challenging doing that um, as the only monster side so so well done to them and a fantastic season and as I said hopefully more to come from them Absolutely we will keep tabs on that as well and I echo those sentiments brilliant season for them in such a tight league Now we turn from women's EY1 to women's EY2 and the qualifiers uh, following the end of the pool stages and contrasting fortunes um, in, in this for, uh, for two very very good uh, Cork teams again yeah, two tough um, away fixtures for for Cork Harlequins and for for UCC. Um, UCC travelling to, to Queen's University um, Belfast, um, where they 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 were well beaten last season, um, and, and Queen's University have have quite a quite a strong panel, quite a str- strong squad with a lot of players involved in the Irish under twenty one setup. The game was very very close. Um, it, it actually ended in in a one all draw, draw uh, Quiver Bardu with uh, with UCC's goal, um, and it went to the, the dreaded shootout. Um, unfortunately, this time, um, unlike the the cup final, UCC didn't or UCC didn't manage to to overcome uh, Queen's University, losing four two in the shootout. So disappointment for for, for UCC. Um, you know, it was um, by no means did they. You know, they really put it up to Queens on the day, which which is great to see. Um, and looked better things to come from them I'm sure next season um, our Harlequins did um, an amazing job against um, against Avoca Dublin side Avoca um, a fantastic 1-0 victory Ivana Byrne with a goal from a, from a short corner in the, in the second quarter and now they, they hung on for dear life at the end and, and uh, you know uh, Avoca even ended up pulling their goalkeeper towards the end of the game um, and I suppose a big shout out maybe to, to Lucy Nixon in the heart Cork Harlequins goal who who made some um, amazing saves to to keep Harlequins um, ahead one nil and ultimately um, put them through to the uh, the semi finals weekend in two weeks time. Yeah, and it's fantastic considering they just you know had that success in the most women's one you know to pick themselves up again and to go and to get that result against an Avoca team in women's EY pool two who only lost once in their eight games. I mean that's a seriously good result and again resilience and strength and depth. I mean you need all of these things. Could they go further? Yeah, they, they, they definitely could. Um, they have a very tricky um, semi-final against uh, Corinthians, who they've who they've come up against this season already. Um, but I wouldn't put it beyond them. You know, Harlequins have, have have steadily improved throughout the the course of the season, and you know, particularly some of the young guns. You know, a couple of months makes a, a, a huge difference. Um, you know, for for players of you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen coming through um, into a senior panel, it just you know that extra bit of confidence. Um, they're playing regular games every single week getting used to playing with senior players or against senior opposition so it, it definitely makes it you know a couple of months can make a huge difference there and you know the goals seem to be coming for them for them all that bit easier now as well um, you know we spoke about Beth Ann O'Farrell and, and, and how many goals she's been contributing recently um, certainly they, they, they do seem to be um, flowing a small bit better um, 
if they get beyond Corinthians, it'll be Queens or Ulster Elks in the final. So, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. Um, but certainly a, a win against um, a win against Corinthians would actually get them um, an EY one space next year, which is, you know, it it would be an amazing uh, thing for the club to to bounce back into into EY one after a, a short absence. So, yeah, plenty to look forward to for Queens. I'm sure they're going to be training very very hard in the lead up to the the fifteenth of April. Yes, indeed. And as we said, like they've already enjoyed great success this year. It's not going to be easy to get out of that uh, and the steps that you've outlined there, but no better team at the moment. They're in farm team, but certainly with self-belief is not a problem and a bit of momentum. Who knows? Now, there's two outstanding women's Division 1 results that we're just going to bring up to speed on from last weekend. Bandon beating Waterford 3-0 and uh, Church of Ireland uh, beating Belvedere 3-1. Nicole Clark getting two goals there for Church of Ireland. Siobhan Regan replying for Belvedere. That keeps Church of Ireland in the hunt for that automatic or for that outright second spot finish with UCC as we outlined earlier on but Cork Harlequins are the 2023 Women's Monster Division 1 champions we also outlined how UCD uh, grabbed the Women's EY 1 title on the final day of the season from Loretto Old Alex finishing uh, in third and Catholic Institute as we've outlined a brilliant fourth place finish and of course the Champions Trophy to come with all those teams go up potentially go up against one another as well now there's nothing this coming weekend uh, Graham in terms of fixtures but we do have two dates for very important EY 1 qualifiers yeah, so so and um, no fixtures this weekend with uh, with the Easter weekend. Um, the the qualifiers, as as I mentioned, the 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 fifteenth is is the is the Cork Harlequins versus Corinthians uh, match. Um, we'll also have um, qualifiers for uh, a Catholic Institute who 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 play uh, Pembroke on on the same date actually as well. Um, and so wishing those teams all the best and and hopefully then a, a final for Cork Harlequins on the on the sixteenth of April. April, um, and then the the Champions Trophy final weekend is is closer to May than for for institution. We'll be watching out for that one. Yes, we're not done yet. We thought we were. We're not done just yet, Graham. But there's still a lot of uh, a lot of hockey to be played, and hopefully a bit of success too for the Munster clubs. We finish as we always do with something that is becoming even more interesting over the last few weeks. Tomorrow, hear about it, and that is the women's Munster top scoring chart. Beth Anna Farrell's uh, four goal salvo in the title winning game for Cork Harlequins has that outstanding player at the top of the charts with 21 goals Emma Sullivan from UCC not far behind in 19 Michelle Barry from Cork Harlequins on 16 Abby O'Mahony who we had a fantastic conversation with last weekend from UCC she's on 15 and then the, rounding out the top 5 Kate Harvey from Ashton on 14 Olivia Roycroft Bandon is 14 uh, Kira Sexton of Church of Ireland is 14 Yvonne O'Byrne Cork Harlequins on 14 and Julia McCarthy in a free scoring Cork Harlequins team on 10 Quiva Perdue was knocked in another goal this week she's up to 10 for UCC she's in 10th place Naomi Carroll another famous name for Catholic Institute on 8 and Emily O'Leary as well for Ashton on 8 goals as I said in next week's podcast uh, a special interview with Michelle Barry and Neve Sexton the co-captains of Cork Harlequins uh, Women's Monster Division 1 title winning team Really good interview, lots of laughs, good insight into what makes this team uh, this team tick. And we'll hear that on next week's podcast. But for now, as ever, for rounding up another busy period and looking ahead to an even busier period before the season finally, finally ends, Graham Catchpole, uh, Monster Hockey, Women's Hockey Piero, thanks very much for joining us on The Big Red Bench. Thanks a million, Jer. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. AFLW expert and Aussie Rules coach to the stars, Mike Curran, is back on the Big Red Bench to give us his expert opinion on all the latest on and off-field AFLW news. 
Mike has over 20 years experience of the AFLW playing, coaching and managing and remains an integral link between future Irish AFLW stars and a first contact for all those Irish women currently under AFLW contracts in Australia. Now then, a hugely significant moment in the AFLW season. Even though the season doesn't necessarily kick off for another few months, it has been lots of headlines and lots of news over the last couple of weeks and why wouldn't there be significant moments in the build-up to it? And uh, this week is no different because the AFLW draft has just been completed and uh, it is significant from an Irish point of view because three players for the first time have been included in that draft. So there's only one man really to speak to about that who has been flat out, I would say, over the last 72 hours and that is AFLW Ireland and uh, AFLW coach to the stars and expert Mike Ryan. Mike, you're very, very welcome back to the bench. How are you? I'm very good, Jared. Thanks so much. As I just said, the draft has just been completed and we have historic news for Ireland because there's three Irish players that have been drafted and the first of those is Cara McCrossan. What can you tell us about Cara and where she's headed? Okay, well, first of all, Jared, you've just nailed it there. This was the smallest draft ever theoretically but it's been the biggest one ever for the Irish players so there's no shortage of drama um, we've built up to it across the last couple of weeks obviously this this one was called the AFLW Supplementary Draft 2023 because it's different every other season with the absence of the upcoming new talent in all due to two seasons in a row in 2022 so it was slightly different um, normally every club goes into the draft with three spots needing to be filled this season, that wasn't uh, mandatory. So what we ended up with, there was 29 list spots available before the draft. There was 528 players nominated in the draft. So a huge, mm. how fantastic is it to see that many players nominating for uh, a female sports draft in the first place? And in amongst a lot of those was approximately 25 Irish players. And I've been working with the majority of those. But as you say, prior to this draft, for the last seven seasons, there's only been three players ever come through the draft, right? So very quickly, obviously the most famous of those is Cora Staunton, the first one in 2018, Ash McCarthy in 2019, and Amy Mulholland last year for Fremantle Dockers. So three in total up to this year, but you've nailed it. We've gone through three Irish players in this draft where only 29 list spots were available. And the first of those that were called out was Cara McCrossan, um, who has gone to the Gold Coast Suns, drafted at pick number six. So Cara McCrossan, originally from Tyrone, has been living in Melbourne the last number of years. Uh, she's been playing VFLW, which is state league, league level football, with Casey Demons, which is the affiliated team of Melbourne Demons. And last season, she was a training on player, it's called with Melbourne Demons. So she got some experience training with their AFLW squad. And you won't remember, but if you cast our mind back to last year's draft, we picked out two or three players to watch, and Cara McCrossan was one of those. So delighted for her. She has got her spot. It's a, it's a year later, but just goes to show perseverance uh, is everything. And she is going up to the Gold Coast from Melbourne, where she joins Cara Fitzpatrick and at the Gold Coast Suns. And she's going up there literally. The two girls have actually started an 18-hour drive up to the Gold Coast to relocate their lives to the sunshine and the sand and the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, so very exciting uh, opportunity for Cara. Um, it is. And I suppose it's, as you said, it's a big move for her though, Mike, but she sounds like some player, as you would have earmarked her from a few years ago. She has the raw material to make this work. 100% Jerry, yeah, absolutely great girl, great player, hugely determined, a real high pressure type player, which is something that Gold Coast Suns were looking for, played very well for in VFLW <clears> for Casey Demons uh, last year, including scoring a goal in the preliminary final that they just barely lost out on, um, but yes, relocating now from Melbourne, chasing that opportunity, and when that opportunity has come along, she's going to grasp it with both hands, and as I say, 
joining up with our good friends um, Clara Fitz and of course Neve McLaughlin who lost be heading over there in a few months so no Gold Coast Irish sons ever before three of them for season 2023 like buses are waiting for him and three come along all at once we wish Cara <laughs> all the best with that move and I think it's going to help her having two other Irish players there and we wish her all the best sounds like a good move for all concerned second Irish player on the move is Joanne Craig Mike what can you tell us about that Okay, Joanne Craig, again, drafted by um, Fremantle Dockers. So Joanne becomes the fourth Irish player at Fremantle Dockers. Joanne, from Roscommon, a star with Roscommon ladies through the years, annual in the O'Connor Cup, relocated to Perth just about a year and a half ago. She's a doctor by trade, moved out there for work purposes, as has happened with many other players, started playing um, AFLW just as a pastime down there. In her first season, she played with Wembley Amateurs in the local league there in Perth, got to a grand final, won the grand final, won the best on ground at the grand final. Phenomenal first year. So straight away this season, she was picked up by Subiaco Lions, who are a state league team in the Waffle, not to get too confusing, the WAFL, which is the Western Australia Football League and they've only had three rounds but she's been brilliant in those three rounds already so was definitely going to catch the eye and I'm delighted to have been helping Joanne out across the last few months even though she's based in Oz we can help players both here and in Australia and yeah three Dockers have taken Joanne with their last pick of the draft they drafted four players today and she's absolutely thrilled over the moon and she hooks up with uh, Anya Tai Amy Mulhall- Mulholland who are both round to her house to present her with her jersey and of course Orla Lally from Meath when she heads back out later this summer brilliant stuff and great for Joanne and a really positive move and showing as well that um, playing in that WFL certainly hasn't uh, harmed her chances and she should fit right in there we wish her all the best with that the final and third Irish player on the move is Yvonne Bonner Mike yeah so look at, in terms of the headlines this is the big surprise for, for everyone obviously not directly for myself I've been working with Yvonne for the last month or two we all know Yvonne Bonner played previously with GWS Giants uh, back in 2019 and 2020 played 11 games across the two seasons her 2020 season was cut short when she had an ankle injury and then COVID hit and she relocated back to Donegal uh, she was on the inactive list at Giants for a season but then she had a um, she started a family, a beautiful daughter named Breed, now 18 months old. And literally about four or five weeks ago, I had a chat with Yvonne and she said, do you think there's any chance I could go back to AFLW? And I said, you know what? We give it a lash. And there was huge interest in Yvonne, like not surprisingly. Uh, she's a very experienced player, of course, but a lot of teams saw value in that and none more so than Adelaide Crows. One of the top teams, again, if you're to go anywhere, to be heading to the Crows is absolutely fantastic. And after all the sign and trade, they were in the window for a tall, strong forward. And here you go, Yvonne Bonner, who better to fill that type of a role? So Yvonne, her husband Paul and her new daughter Breed are relocating to Adelaide across the next few weeks to start a massive family adventure. So how exciting for them. And I cannot wait to see Yvonne Bonner in Crow's colours. And they're already saying they can't wait for it to arrive and that their team is going to be better because of her arrival. So fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. And all the best to the Bonner family. What a lovely, I mean, it's probably a hectic time for them, Mike, but a lovely time at the same time. And as you said, going to a franchise as established as the Adelaide Crows is only going to make her a better player. And it certainly will enforce what they already have. We wish Yvonne all the best, as we do, Karen McCrossan and Joanne Craig. Now, any other week, Mike, those three names would be the three most significant names in terms of the Irish playing AFLW. But there's a new rookie signing that has grabbed the attention on both sides of the planet. uh, And that is the one and only Amy Mackin. Yeah, absolutely, Ger. Headline any day of the week again. We, we I know we repeat ourselves the whole time now. The last couple of weeks, it's raining headlines, but 
Yes, and talk about in dramatic fashion. The rookie deadline was last Tuesday. Um, Amy Mackin's paperwork was lodged literally five or ten minutes before the deadline expired. She is going to Melbourne Demons, where she's going to join up, of course, with her sister Blaine, uh, who played her debut season last year and won a premiership with Melbourne Demons. Um, there's been speculation that Amy is going to head to AFLW for a while. It was always felt it would be Melbourne. Um, now that Blaine was there and she was over for three weeks last season and spent a bit of time in Melbourne and she was back over for the grand final. We met her and her family at the grand final as well. But yeah, huge news. Um, Amy Mackin, obviously outstanding Gaelic footballer, uh, player of the year here in LGFA in 2020 after coming back from a horrific injury. So hugely determined, resilient player, has come back better than ever one of the most naturally gifted forwards I've ever seen. And I've had a few kicks with Amy when we were up there uh, with Blahin last season as well. So I think um, she's going to fit naturally into the forwards at Melbourne Demons. Uh, an unbelievable left foot on Amy. And as I say, she was third year 2020. Vicky Wall was 21. Neve McLaughlin was 22. The, the, the player of the year from the last three seasons are now heading to the AFLW. Um, as is with all of the players across the last few weeks. Um, of course, again, for ladies football fans, Amy is going to be staying with Armagh until the ladies' championship is fully finished. Uh, so no, nothing to worry about there. And she'll head out with Blaine uh, after Armagh's involvement in this season's LGFA ends. But yes, that was uh, Melbourne's final, final list. That completes their um, team list for the season. Their day for didn't have anybody to pick in the draft today. But uh, what a player to top up your list as your last signing for the season. So super excited. And I know the Mackens are super excited up there. They're sports mad house, household. They're two brothers playing county for Armagh as well. And uh, Frida and Mickey, their parents, absolutely um, besotted sports fans. I'm sure there'll be flights booked and holidays booked from Armagh. There won't be a Mackin left in Armagh come next November, I'd say, when it's finals time. But yeah, amazing story. It certainly is. We wish Amy all the best along with Blaine as well. And uh, what a lovely story as well. Family story behind that. Um, fantastic to see such a talent going over to Australia and showing the rest of the world what she can do. Um, it's There's been so many headlines, as we said, Mike, over the, the draft. Now that the draft is complete, there's a bit of a breathing period, I would say. Everyone gets to take a breath now for a short period before the day, before what is the next step, I suppose, um, in terms of AFLW, in terms of pre-season, what we'll know and what, what's happening. Yeah, so that effectively um, completes the players' listing. Now, there's a technicality where a couple of players didn't take a spot in the draft and they have 24 hours to take another player that was drafted. But technically, this is the end of the list building. All of the teams are complete, are almost complete. Everybody has 30 players. Um, the next step is that we wait now for the announcement of when preseason starts and when the season starts. So we'll expect that that's the next news that will come out. It might be this week, it might be next week, but now everybody is eagerly waiting we, we know roughly that pre-season will start around the last week in May and the actual season itself will start the, fir- the weekend of the 1st and 2nd of September. But until it's officially announced, of course, everybody is waiting on tender hooks. But how about that? We, we, asked, we said last week, would we hit 30? We thought we would. 32 Irish players wow. now confirmed for AFLW 23, the highest ever. 32, 14 new players for this season. So... That's incredible. <laughs> so <laughs> there's uh, there's going to be acres of stuff to cover from now on once the once the action gets going and once players even start heading over there. Uh, there's a bit of a lull uh, on our front. There's a huge amount of logistics to be done now in terms of getting all these players in terms of their visas and, and onto flights and accommodation and, and all of that sort of stuff. So we'll keep working with the clubs and the players here and it'll be a busy time. But yeah, in terms of where it's at, in terms of milestones for the season, team list now complete. 
we sit and wait for the, the official dates for pre-season and season and then it's roll on AFLW 2023 roll on AFLW 2023 is right um, what, are we, what, what, what more can we say 32 players to look forward to and it's just absolutely fantastic thanks very very much Mike Cran I know how hectic the last few weeks have been for you but you've uh, provided us with fantastic information and up to up to the minute information on the AFLW and on the Irish players that are taking part there's more to come as we said before we really get into the thick of it later on this year and I can't wait I know you can't either but for now uh, Mike Cran here on the Big Red Bench thanks once again for your time and thank you Ger as always for, for giving us the opportunity and looking forward to chatting again soon across the next few weeks that's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can also listen online at redextra.ie don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie the Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.